Now entering Nerdist.com. True it with a guy named Kevin. True it and this other guy Steve. True it from the TV and the movies, and now this podcast stream. True it, they're gonna get chewy. True it, they might even get me. True it, but they're gonna get funky on this podcast thing. Hey everybody! Hi, hey Boo Boo, how you doing? Hey, Are you chewing first? I was just chewing just to do something, just to chew something. To Hi, everybody. Something. Welcome to another episode of Chewing It. Hi, everyone. I'm Kevin Heffernan. My name is Stan Lemon. Steve Stan Lemmy's, Lemmy. Steve Lemmy's standing. All right. Okay. You sound a lot like Steve Lemmy. That's why he got me. <laughs> All right. Did you ever All see, right. uh, what's that body double movie? Like, like your Saddam Devil's... Hussein's uh, body yeah, double? That's that kind me. of thing? I'm that guy. Okay. How, do, I, do I remind you of Steve Lemmy? I hope you're funnier. We're... Shouldn't be hard. That shouldn't be hard at all. Mm. Are you chewing? I am chewing. What do you got? Bits of Steve Lemmy's flesh. Whoops, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a minute. What? Um, you know what? I'm chewing uh I'm chewing some pulled pork. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the end of the summer and uh a couple weekends ago, opening football day, I had some delicious pulled pork on the brain? Pulled pork. Yeah. On the tongue. I bet. And uh and it hasn't left my mind. Wow, okay. Yeah. How about you? What were you eating? Uh lifesaver. Oh. Uh, old fashioned peppermint lifesaver. So so you're just chewing your lifesaver? Yeah. As opposed to sucking it. Yeah. Okay. Well, but also like sometimes you suck and you uh, get a little echo. Do you uh, do you when you eat your lifesavers? Are you more of a chewer or a sucker? Um, I'm probably more of a sucker, and then the last minute I'll chew it. Oh yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah. Once it gets to that thin area, you just yeah. gonna crush then you're it. Done with that shit. Yeah. Um. Hey, this is pretty good. We, you know what? We've had like um a lot of guests recently. We haven't had a chance to talk. You know, Kev, sometimes, like, I love having guests, but sometimes uh, I get upset by it. Why? Well, because, like, then you and I, we, we play our little game where we're at odds with each other. Right. We show off for the right. guest, and we and you ignore me, and we talk <laughs> to the guest. Okay. Like, you try to silence me. Right. We try to win the guest over. Each of us do. Yes. Okay. Yes. For some of us, it's easier than others. It's true. And, um, and, but then I feel like you and I... Especially with the ladies, Levy. Come on, <laughs> women. Uh, but then we don't, you and I don't, uh, we don't Connect. relate on a one-on-one thing. Right. And sometimes it's nice to just look you in the eyes. We should do some more one-on-oneers. I'd like to. Okay. I'd like to. Maybe we'll do, do a special one. podcast called One-on-One with Kevin and Steve. <laughs> and it'll just be like our little table side chats. Okay. That'd and maybe our, our gimmick will be that, like, we'll be on a date, like, we'll sit at a table and sit kitty corner to each other. <laughs> I don't do that. See, already, already. I don't do that. All I'm right. not, you were that guy... I do not sit on the same side of the table as my wife when we're out to dinner. You do that. Oh, I love doing that. I don't do that. Oh, we do that. What's the allure? We can fucking touch each other and canoodle. Uh-huh. And like, like, put, like, like I'll be chewing some food and I'll kiss her while we both have food in our mouths. Oh, God. But when you're talking to each other, what are you looking at? Her fucking tits, bro. What? What else no, do you look you, at when you talk to a woman? Like what? No, I'm saying like she's next to you. Yeah, I look into her eyes. Then you can't eat. I guess it's more of a... I guess it's more of a utilitarian thing for me. I want my food to, to be eat. able to get into my mouth as I can look at the person I'm talking to. You're there to eat. I'm there to right. ply her with booze and get into her pants. <laughs> She's already your wife. What does it matter? Yeah, I know. But, you know, like with your wife, sometimes you still have to seduce. True. I guess that's what keeps the marriage alive. Yeah. It? I mean, it's like you, uh, like she and I have this thing. Like, I appreciate when she wants to play a little hard to get. Okay. Because, like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like sharpening your teeth on a bone. What? You know, like, you know, scratch, using a, a scratching a post. scratching post? Keep your claws sharp. Like, you need to fucking keep a hand in the game. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you think I should start sitting on the same side as my wife? 
I do, I do. The booth will get a little tight for her, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, but maybe, like, her end of the booth will raise up and she'll slide towards you. It's a good move. I don't think she'd be into it, us sitting on the same table. She'd actually, it would probably freak her out. Like, I was like, hey, let's sit on the same side. She, she wouldn't said, know what, what to why? do. What do you, why? Why? It's been 20 years of, like, going out to dinner with you and just listening to you grunt right. on the other side Watch of the table. Watch me eat steak. Yeah, while you <laughs> chug your soup and then eat steak in, like, three minutes. What do you know order? Steak. Yeah. What are you having for uh, for appetite? Clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> are you you want some wine tonight? I'll have a Budweiser. Yeah. She knows. Yeah. Huh. I guess maybe I should start mixing it up a little bit. It would be. I would love. You know what? That would actually be a great TV show idea. Call it like second first date. Uh huh. And uh, are you writing this down? Good. I'm no, glad no, no. you are. I'm just checking to make sure we're okay. Second first date. Okay. Call it second first date, or something like that. And it's about husbands and wives like you. Yeah. And your wife. Yeah. Where, like, not that the romance is gone, because I know sure. you have a, a rule with your wife, a sex rule. But you get set in your ways. But you get set in your ways. Right. And, like, your way, and we've talked about it before, is sitting on the other side of the table. And, right. like, Valentine's Day doesn't even fucking, <laughs> it's not a flicker on your radar. Sure. Right. And, like, you guys actually go out on a romantic date where you sit on, like, the same side of the table. Huh. And you get some rosé wine, like I know you like. <laughs> right. And maybe you take her out dancing, or am I pushing it? Yeah, that's pushing. Am I pushing? That's pushing it. And then, way pushing it. And then you kiss. You hold hands. Am I pushing it? I can hold hands. Okay. And then kiss with tongue. Uh, I could probably do that. Okay. And then maybe like use your hands or something. <laughs> Wait, or where are you? Am going? I pushing what? it? But what is this? Are you trying to propose a different new kind of date or something like that? Yeah, like yeah. one where like a romantic date. Oh, and that's what romance is? Putting my hands in certain places? Is that romance? Yeah, like What about play. telling her how wonderful she is? Four smart. And... That's part of the foreplay okay. time. All right. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, have you ever heard that joke? Like, uh, what's, uh, what's the Irish version of uh, foreplay? No. Brace yourself, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You know, I'm I guess I've probably heard that joke. Something beyond it's that. It's a good one. I like that. Yeah, you probably didn't get it, though. No, I get it. I don't get it. What's so funny about that? Um, before we get too much further okay. down this road, we should do our plugs. We need to do our plugs. Yeah. Because we're back on the road. We've been off the road for a while, now go back on the road. We have been off the road. I know. So now we're going to get back out there again. Yeah. Um, in October, mm-hmm. we're going to Boston. Mm. Your favorite town. Can't wait for Boston. Right? I can't figure out who likes Boston more, me or you. I don't know. I think it's going to be a whole new chapter of our Boston fun when we go back there. This is interesting because we've played different places. We've played the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Yep. We've played, um, w- last time we were at a ballroom across yeah, the like, street from was the Was it Wilbur like Theater. a Roxy or something like that? Or? I can't remember. I can't it, was, it was very, like, we, we likened yeah. it to uh, Saddam Hussein's whack-off chamber. Yeah. Like it, it was, was very ornate. And ornate, but and too right. big. Right. Like the seating area, like the ceiling. It was fun, but it was huge. It was, yeah, it was like a... The ceiling was like a thousand yeah, feet thousand high. Yeah, thousand feet high. Yeah. There's an echo in there. Yeah. Uh, but this time we'll be at Laugh Boston. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I've never been there. No, no nor I. Laugh Boston, October 9th, 10th, and 11th. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, this is our first proper show in Boston. Yeah, it is. It is. That's good. I'm glad. Me too. Um, and then the next weekend we're going to be in D.C. Well, Arlington, Virginia, technically. Yeah. We'll be at the Draft House, the which Arlington we've been to many times. We love the Arlington Draft love House. Love it. It's great. And we're going to be there Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. The 17th and 18th. Yeah, three shows, though. I think three shows, right? Right. Was it one on... One Friday, two on Saturday. Yeah. Or the other way around. Yeah, we'll get our details correct, but just know it's those But October 17th and 18th. So Boston and D.C., we're coming to you in October. Go to heffernandlemmy.com 
uh, all the info for the tickets and links for tickets. It's there. It's there. Yeah. So go get it. Those are two big East Coast dates. And then in November, uh, I, I don't remember the specifics yet, but we'll, we will be in Winnipeg making up that show that we missed. Yeah. And then we'll be in Atlanta. Yes. So uh, Atlanta. Now, here's the thing about the Atlanta show. I don't know yeah. if you know this, Queen. That's my birthday weekend. Oh, my God. And you know what happens when it's Steve Lemmy birthday weekend on the road. He has a little fun for once. Mm-hmm. He does some drinking. I let my hair down and drank. Yeah. You drank? I drank on stage. Oh, my God. That could be kind of dangerous. Yeah. And I think Eric Levy's going to open up for us oh, that good. weekend. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. So it'll be a birthday bash. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. So people, if you're in Atlanta, go to com. Get the tickets there. But those are our dates. That's, a, that's good. It'll be fun. Yeah. And All then, right. uh, yeah, that's, so we've got four weekends. We get those weekends. And then the other thing is uh, Amazon shoppers. Mm. Amazon shoppers. If you are going to shop at Amazon, go to the Heffernan Lemmy Chewing It uh, page. Page. <laughs> at iTunes. Uh, is it no, iTunes? No, 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 no just at Nerdist. Uh, misinformation. Yeah, the Chewing It website page. Yeah. And there's a banner ad for Amazon.com. Click on that ad and then go to your shopping. And then I guess some of the proceeds come back to uh, support the show. Do you think people do that? I mean, I guess that's why they're, they're advertising it. But, like, I'm just curious. As a layperson, I'm trying to wonder, like, what? I forget to do it. I think you have to remember. Like, I was talking to my mom the other day, and she was like, I went shopping on Amazon. Yeah. And I totally forgot to click through the thing and do the thing. I know. And I was like, come on, Ma. And then realize that I did the same thing uh, but recently. But it's like, I'm, I'm a member of Amazon Prime. Yes, me too. And I shop on Amazon all the time. Sure. And do you know what? You never do that. I've never done it. And in fact, and that's me... That's dumb. ...taking dollars out of my own chewing it pocket. Right. Right. Like, Go do it. Do it. I'm going to do it. I was on Amazon yesterday. I didn't buy anything. Okay. I was doing a little research. Okay. But do you know what I was looking up yesterday? What? was um, a book called The Modern Chair. The Modern Chair. Now, is that the book that uh, the guy had on his table? Yeah, yeah. With designs by, like, Le Corbusier. Oh, right. Like, we had a friend, and he had an apartment, and he had, like, fancy coffee table books. Yeah. And, and like, one of them was a chair book. Yeah, well, he also liked antique chairs. Right. And we were like, who the fuck buys a book about chairs? Yeah. And then and, and but, apparently you. Well, no, I didn't buy it. It's in a, a script that I'm writing. Okay. I, use, uh, I specifically used that book. Oh, okay. Because I wanted a ridiculous coffee table book. <laughs> okay. And that one really takes the cake. Okay. It's called like the history of chairs or like the the ch- modern chair design. Right. I bet it's a very interesting book. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but uh, but I remember the thing, it was like, you know, like Jonathan so-and-so, Travis so-and-so, Deborah so-and-so, Le Corbusier. And I remember that was what we focused on. We're like, Le Corbusier. Right. What a great name for a chair. Corbusier? A yeah. chair designer. Yeah, but he's actually an architect. Okay. Who happened to design some, uh, you know, some furniture and? Uh, so we look like complete uh, moronic kind of to uh, the furniture crowd. uneducated asses. Current right now to the furniture lovers and the architects uh, that listen to chewing it. Okay. They're like <laughs> fucking rubes. Oh. Oh, oh my God. God! This is such a plebeian uh, podcast. Why do I keep listening to it for all the dick jokes? <laughs> oh right, right, right. <laughs> Certainly not for the chair jokes. No. Nah. Do you know any chair jokes? Uh, no. I don't. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, should, we, should we have a topic today? Should we go to our topic? I love it because it's funny. I was thinking about chair jokes, but chairman of the board. Yeah. Which was a, uh, the movie that Trimark Pictures ultimately picked over Puddle Cruiser and Super Troopers. It was a Carrot Top movie. It was a Carrot Top It was movie. Carrot Top's vehicle. Yeah, and uh, that happened in a very interesting 
period of time in our lives where yep. we were, you know, testing our movie uh, public we were. cruiser. And they and they and they that company p- picked the Carrot Top movie over our movie. They did. Well, yeah. but first, uh, do you they remember? Probably did well. We probably talked about this on the podcast. Like they actually decided to do Pablo Cruiser to release Pablo Cruiser, and then they were going to buy the script for Super Troopers and right. and make it. I think for two million dollars. Okay. And then we, I was in Sweden, and we were all like, you guys were back here celebrating the deal and everything like that. Actually, you were going to celebrate the deal. Yeah. And it fell apart. Right. On your way to celebrating. Right. Yeah. I celebrated for a week and then came back. Right. To the news that it didn't that it fell apart. And but what we had found out is they had said yes to a double dip, Puddle Cruiser and the Super Troopers. Yep. And then decided the next day to just do Chairman of to the go Board. Chairman of the Board. And then they went bankrupt. Then they went out of business. Yeah. Just goes to show you. Oops. Don't bet against <laughs> Broken Lizard. Don't bet against us, bro. Yeah. But that's, um, I mean, it's good because we actually, we've been talking, like a lot of people, uh, uh, their feedback is that they like uh, some of the podcasts that we do where we talk about specific elements of filmmaking. The, the audition process, yeah, the writing the process. process we did. And so we were trying to think of some other ones to do because we have fun because it brings up old stories, right? Yeah. And so uh, uh, the topic that we wanted to talk about this week is test screening. Mm. Test screening. One of the most this one of the things that makes or breaks any filmmaker in an instant. And it's a very kind of unique thing to the filmmaking world, I guess. And it's a it's something that everyone does and everyone goes through. Uh, but it, yeah, it can make and break you, make or break you. And uh, and usually there are funny, there are funny elements to it. There are know? many funny elements. Yeah, but I, mean, I guess we can let's describe what it is first of all. But like. Basically, you're in the edit process of your movie. And, you know, unlike doing stand-up or whatever, like stand-up, you can throw a joke out to an audience and get immediate feedback and feel how it is, you know. But for making a movie, you're in the editing room for weeks, you know, months, and, and not necessarily knowing if something's funny anymore, you're so used to it, whatever it is. So the great moments are when you can show it to people, and particularly for a comedy, a laughing audience, which is very important, and you can get a sense of whether something's going to work or not. And so... Um, there's an institutional element of that in the studio filmmaking uh, world. There are actually companies that that you hire that run test screenings. They go recruit audiences, and they have a, a, a very elaborate system of testing your movies. And then the studios use this information to determine if things need to be fixed or how it needs to be released or that. So everyone has to go through it. Yeah, yeah. and like like so specifically, I mean, some of those elements like. After the movie, there is a person who actually is sort of, he's a moderator or a host. Yep, hired by this company. Hired by the company, yeah. and he will, he will ask all kinds of questions of the test audience. And, you know, there's the test audience, and then afterwards about 30 or so people they keep the, Some of the audience behind. behind is a focus group, yeah. Focus group. And then this moderator will, will basically lead a conversation, and he'll ask questions. Yeah. Based on questions that we or the studio have given him in advance. Uh, things that we'd like to know the answers yeah, to. Yeah, like confusing elements or, or pacing or whatever, things like that. What do you like? What, what did you like? Even specific things. What did you think of this scene? Yeah. What did you think of this particular character? Um, and they call all this information. And it's a little bit different between the studios and the independent films. Like, that's more of a studio thing. Yeah. Independent films, oh, wait, which we've also say, done. Can I say yeah. one more thing about the studio yeah. thing? Also, with the studio thing, they'll actually come back with a number yeah. based on the how did you rate the film poor... Fair, good, very good, excellent. Yep. 
And basically, the, it's a percentage of the people who said very good or excellent. Yeah, and that is your number. Your favorables. Yeah, That's so if you number. get like 80% people saying very good or excellent, you're in great shape. Yeah. So you're always shooting for those numbers. Yeah, but that's the, that's a big thing. They come out and say, what's the number? Yeah. 84. Like, yeah. fuck yes, we got it. Yeah. So anyway, you were saying. But no, there, there are more elements to that. We'll, we'll go in a second. I just wanted to point out, like, that's a, the kind of like, when we've made studio films, there's an institutional way that they test them. And then when we've made independent films, you kind of do the same thing, but more it's like a friends and family type thing. Sure. Like you'll get a screening room or you'll get a theater You'll invite people. You'll put the movie up and see how they react and get more. So, like, when we made movies like Slam and Salmon or Super Troopers, which were independent films, you did that type of uh, testing in order to help you in the edit process. In the studio films, Club Dread, Beer Fest, those kind of movies, it was a much more kind of institutionalized thing. You should. Yeah. We're going to play a drinking game. Every time Kevin says the word institutionalized, <laughs> you all drink. You all get institutionalized. Yeah. You know? Um, you ever hear that song by uh, who was it? Was it the um, uh, Suicidal Tendencies? No. From the uh, Repo Man soundtrack, Institutionalized. I'm not crazy. Institutionalized. <laughs> You're the one that's crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Driving me crazy. Yeah. No, but the reason I say that is because I think that that's like a lot of people not knowing how the process works or thinking or looking at it from the outside. Uh, there's a lot of criticism of this, of that system. And there's a lot of things where people think that's the way movies get ruined uh, that you take the elements away from the filmmaker and give them to the kind of yahoos in the audience and uh, and then that's how you make the movie worse but I, I think it's more complicated than that Yeah, like I think there are, there are very good things about it and you talk to certain kinds of filmmakers who who love it, who that's a very important element to them, particularly comedy people and then you talk to other filmmakers and they hate it and they hate the process. And we've had both sides of that coin, yeah. I feel like. I mean, it's an interesting thing because I, I almost feel like the movie is probably either already in good shape or in bad shape. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're not going to completely recreate a movie unless it's in really bad shape. No, but we've gone into situations where we've recreated things in the sense of like Beer Fest or Super Troopers where... We've based on kind of test screen stuff. We've reshot elements of the movie, which make the movie much better. Yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But like, you know, with Beer Fest, the the test scores came in and they were good. Yeah, and but it was clear that like from the comments and the focus group, like the opening was something that could be reworked. Yep. There was a, a feeling that my eulogy could be was too sad. <laughs> right. Was could be funnier. Was frankly. Sure. Too well acted. <laughs> people were too sad during sure. the eulogy, so sure. we, we wound up rewriting Hey, it. people, this is a comedy. Yeah. Don't forget. But that's what it was. It was like I, I mustered up some tears for the eulogy. Right, because you're an excellent actor. Because I'm an excellent actor. I looked down at your, at your body in the coffin, and I, I imagined what it would really be like to deliver that, and I cried, Kev. Right. I cried. <laughs> but the dialogue was also like, you know, kind of earnest. Right. And so... Together, like combined with with the good acting, it felt it, <laughs> it made everything very sad, and so we did the same thing, but with a ridiculous. Yes, yeah. uh, we got a little more humor out of that. Yeah. But that was an ele- that was an example of like you know a test screening where you can feel because to me, I really like test screenings, like because I, I feel like the important thing about test screenings is be able to take away what's important to you and, what's, and just flush away what's not important to you. Like inevitably, you'll do a test screening and everyone will be like. 
I hate the title of the movie or whatever it is, right? Yeah. You're always going to get that shit. But the important thing to me is, uh, uh, and from a comedy and from a point of movie filmmaking, it really is a great time to sit in a room with random selection of people and feel certain things out. Like, the most important to me is the pacing of the movie. Yeah. Right? Like, you can sit in the editing room for months and lose track of or not appreciate the pacing of the movie. But when you sit in front of an au- in front of uh, that film with an audience, you can't hide from the pacing of that movie. Like yeah. you can feel it. It's like those moments where you take a friend, like you you know, like you you talk about how much you love a movie, and yeah. you like you bring your friend to go see the movie, and you've already seen it, and like you watch your friend watch the movie, and and you're like the first time you watch, you're like this was really good, and now you're feeling like maybe it's not as good anymore. You know those moments? Yeah, it's, oh, I do know those moments. It's kind of like that time that I had gone to see a band called Government Mule. Yeah, and I had a great time, and then right. I was so impressed by them that I paid. I treated all of Broken Lizard right to their next concert at Irving Plaza, <laughs> right. and right. we were pretty stoned. And yeah. like a couple of guys were not into it, and I could feel it. And like thirty minutes into it, we're like we're going to meet you at the bar, like outside. Right. Oh, like you're le- you're leaving? Wait a second, this means a lot to me. I'm the government mule right now. I'm up. You're upsetting me. Wasn't there a movie also that you did, that, uh, like Deuce Bigelow or something? You did it with Chandra Sekhar? Yeah. You well, saw it, and then you brought Chandra Sekhar? Yeah, like Deuce Bigelow I saw with Amy Cohen, the okay. co-producer from Super Troopers, yeah. and laughed my ass off. Right. And was so into it, I told Chandra Sekhar, double down, which right. is your seal of approval, which is saying, like, I <laughs> right. think this is so good. I'm gonna I will get sit you to through see it this. again. Yeah, I'm going to get you to see this. Yeah. And I'll double down with you. Right. And then I went with Shander Sekar, recreated right. everything perfectly, and he just <laughs> sat there and stared at it. And I didn't laugh once because I was sure. There. But you know, the, that's the feeling. That is the feeling of a test screening where, like, you've seen the movie a thousand times, and you can feel when it drags. Yeah. Like, you can feel it in your chest. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you know, oh, this is not good enough. And then and it's a stark, it's like a slap in the face. Like, you know you need to improve this element. Well, it's like, you know? and these are very tense screenings for us, because this really is, in the studio system, you're there with the president of the studio and your creative executives and, and the yeah. marketing people. Like, this is, like I said, make or break. This is it. Like, Beer Fest, for instance, did have, I remember, um, the opening probably 20 minutes of Beer Fest was yeah. not satisfactory. Yeah. And just that it, it This just is not took, what the movie people have seen now. We, we reshot the opening. Yeah. But yes, you're but right. Just the, the original. It's and what it was was that it was just very sort of expositiony and uh, and it wasn't broken literally. It, it wasn't was just, as fun as it should have been. Yeah, and yeah. it was you know not against those guys, but it, you know it was Paul and Eric just sort of going through life and like having this stuff happen. And then the second and nobody was really laughing. Yeah. Until they got to the beer fest, they, until they got to Germany. Yeah. And things started getting rowdy, and then people started going crazy. Yeah. And so then it became clear. Okay. We need to get to that quicker, right? And we need to shoot a much shorter, better version of the opening of the yeah. movie. Yeah, and those are the interesting things that you learn. And and sometimes you have the luxury of being in the studio system and reshooting things. You know, Super Troopers is the same way. We we made it independently. We brought it to Sundance. We sold it, and then we tested it after we sold it to Fox. And it became clear that the ending that we had shot was not. The most satisfying ending, which I think I'm not talking about like the ending of the movie, but like the button, the comedy at the end, the end of the movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, based on the test screenings and things like that, we knew that people really loved the stoners from the opening of the movie yeah. and wanted to know what happened with them and well, that kind of stuff. And so you, you were able to glean that information, and then Fox 
uh, agreed, and they said, let's go shoot another button on the yeah. end of that movie. And we did the thing with the party, with the kids having the party. Yeah. You know? I mean, truth be told, that is a situation where you've been bought by the studio. Yep. And they have, we've all identified where the problem is, and they pretty much suggested, yeah. let's get those stoners in, into that thing, which we agreed yeah. with. You know, they're yeah. not going to make you do anything. Yeah. Um, and so we But did they were that. right. In that situation, yeah. it was a funny kind of uh, bookend to have those guys come back. And those guys were great, and everyone loved those guys. So, yeah. I mean, it was like one of those moments where the test screening and having a studio that was willing to make some changes, you know, really kind of helped out. I mean, I... And I think there's, you know, we can go into some of our movies because there's some good stories, but I, I, I think, like, to me, it's pacing and confusion. Like, I think there are, there are certain elements of confusion in the, mo- in the movie, like a movie like Club Dread or whatever. Like, people aren't appreciating certain characters or someone's getting lost. I, I think those are the good things about a test screening. Like, yeah. You know, the bad things about it um, are just, I mean, there are a lot of bad things about it. I'm not trying to say it's a great system because there are problems, and... and well, you know. there, I mean, some of the bad things... Well, okay. It, it's actually the same note, but uh, another thing that the test screening does is help to settle disputes yeah. between the creators. Maybe when we've done films independently, it's between us. Yeah. And then with the studio, it's... I mean, there are a lot of people who are making... who have different opinions. Right. And this is... How, really, it's the simplest way. It's like stand-up comedy. You go out, you tell a joke. If they laugh, you're keeping it. If they don't, it's gone. But it takes a long time to get to that point, which is the funny thing about it, because then the arguments build. Yeah. Right? So it's like, you and I fight over a joke. It should be this way. It should be that way. It should be this way. It should be that way. And then it's like, oh, let's, let's sure. let the test audience decide. Yeah. And those are the fun moments. But so it's like, in the positive way, like between friends, Yeah. there, have, there are great times where, uh, you know, going back to what you're talking about, where you're looking to see your friend's reaction. Like, I remember there have been times where, like, jokes that we didn't know, like in Club Dread. Yeah. There was the there's the scene where I meet Penelope for the first time. Right, right. And she's got her name tag on her breast, and I take it and I squeeze it. Right. And I remember squeeze her breast. Yeah, but I remember like when we were <laughs> shooting it, Jay didn't like that I had done that. Right. It was just a spur of the moment thing. It violated his sense of honor. Yeah. Even I had cleared it with her in advance that I was sure, going to do it. Sure. You were on my side. Right. In the editing room, you were like, "No, it's fucking great," and he's like, "I don't think so." <laughs> <laughs> and, but you fought for it, and that was in one of the test screenings. We put that cut in, yeah, and the place fucking loved it. And that's right. one where the two of us leaned forward, <laughs> right? And it's all in good fun. Sure, Jay looks at us because ultimately you want the biggest laugh. You want a big so laugh. You may lose the argument, but you win the fight. <laughs> that's right. You lose the battle, but you win the war. And there have been plenty of those moments where you you get that moment and you look. I yeah. mean, you know, the other fun thing which we were talking about uh, also is that. Um, you know, as technology has improved, mm-hmm. you can even um, get more accurate with how you, you get those reactions. You know, like now, a lot of times, uh, particularly in comedies and horror movies, they film the audience. Yeah. So uh, basically, there's a camera on the audience, facing the audience, as opposed to facing the, the movie, they're facing the audience. Yeah. And, uh, and you'll also record the audio. And then what you can do is you'll take the audio tracks from the movie that you played and you go into the editing room. And you can lay them perfectly against the actual movie, the real movie itself, in the computer. You lay the audio audience reaction in there. Smart. And then as you're going through, and if you have a question about what the reaction was or a disagreement, Mm -hmm. then boom, you just hit the scene and you got the thing on there and you can hear it. And the other nice thing about that, too, is we had an old saying, which is probably not something we came up with, but it is, 
you can't hear a smile. <laughs> That's right. Because in the test screening, you're sitting behind everybody. Right. Because you're there, and there are times where nobody's laughing, and you're like, why ain't nobody laughing? <laughs> right. But then you flip the camera around, and yeah. you see that they're actually smiling big. Sure, sure. And, you know, so it's they're having a good time. Sure. They're just... Uh, they're just smiling. They're just smiling. But that's the—I mean—that's the beauty of of the test screening, also. And I think people think maybe it violates, you know, maybe this is not the creative way to do it, and blah blah blah. But we've talked to people. Like I remember when we worked with the Zucker Brothers, you know, they were huge um, proponents of doing test screenings, and and uh, you know, because simply in the comedy business, you're looking for laughs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and there's no way about hiding when you get a big laugh yeah and when you get no laugh yeah and uh you know you can fight it and say hey that joke is more important to me and sometimes that happens even if it doesn't get a laugh the joke stays in yeah but a lot of times you you, you come to the reality of like oh i guess i found that funny and nobody else found it funny and sure you know and but you need to hear that you do need to hear as that as a person and you need to yeah because as a bunch, we should probably call our name Indignant Lizard, <laughs> because we can be some indignant mofos. Well, but that's the time. beauty of that's why we work in a group. You know, yeah. We always thought that if if the joke got through the five of us, then it was funny. Sure, but there have also been times, like in our writing sessions, for instance, where it's one against four. Yeah. And the one person pushes and pushes and pushes and slowly begins to turn the group. Yeah. And then. And then wins, and it gets everybody on their side, which is positive reinforcement for standing your ground. Right. Now, more often than not, you're just wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes. But sometimes you got it. Right. And so, like. That's the beauty. Yeah. It's nice to. So, you know, it's like, look, like, on the positive side, you see which jokes are funny. On the negative side, sometimes it's like, you know, you lose in a way to the studio. Yeah. They win their argument, but it's still something like either you didn't intend it to be funny or like it's it's close to your heart. Maybe it's an inside joke or maybe it's just something. Maybe you just right. like it. You're the filmmaker right. and you like this part. Digging your heels in on it, yeah. Th- you know, and so it's like, you know, and sometimes other things are, are going to be for the marketing people. Sure. You know, and they're going to find that out too. Yeah. Um, but it's a very, it's a very tense process. Yeah. But those are the good things. I mean, I think the bad things to me, the recruitment yeah. Right. The recruitment is an imperfect science, and and basically what has to happen is in these test screenings, is these companies you know have to go out and find you uh, an audience that's going to represent uh, uh, the data in a good way, or represent you know be representative of how the movie will perform. You yeah. know, and but the problem well, is they're there looking are for your target. What they think is your target demographic. That, that's the problem right there. Yeah. Is that um, what happens is is they start to target what they think your audience should be. So if it's like, you know, some you know couple in their forties walking down the street going into the movie theater, you've seen the guys and they have the pamphlets and they try to get you to come to a test screening, yeah. right? They might disregard that forty-year-old couple and then see like some eighteen-year-old dude with a skateboard who's stone going away and might go to that person instead because they think that's what your audience is. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, you're saying they might do this. The fact is they, right. that's what they do. And and with these big companies, they will tell you how they recruited and they tell you who they approached and the percentage of male versus female and the percentage of age and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then they'll try to build your audience for what they think you want. Yeah. And then inevitably, you walk into the thing and, and I never feel like it's a great representation of 
well, of the general public. You know, I think uh, part of the problem with our our test demographic right. is that, you know, one of the things we have always, another saying we've had in, in Indignant Lizard yeah. is <laughs> we make smart comedies for dumb people and dumb comedies for smart people. Right. And so we do think we have a lot of intelligent humor, contrary to what the reviewers may say. Yeah. But, like, we work hard on our scripts, and there is stuff that is that is higher brow. Yeah. And those people are disregarded. The The intelligent audience is disregarded. Not to say that, like, the people who come into our test screenings are dumb, but, like, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. We've all been teenagers in our lives. Sure. And we've all been non-teenagers in our lives. <laughs> sure. And the dumbest demographic <laughs> on earth. <laughs> right. Is teenagers? I guess uh, maybe. I mean, I guess they're the most focused on a certain thing that they want. Maybe. Well, but it's like okay. So like you in the comments section. Yeah. The and com- by the comment section, you mean like what they do is they hand out cards to the yes. audience, and they're that's kind to of, everybody, to everyone, and they're kind of like a kind of a, a boilerplate format kind of thing where you they ask you questions about the pacing and whatever, what you like, we didn't like, and then. The people take a few minutes to fill out their cards, and then at the end, they give them to the filmmaker, and you have like a stack of like 300 cards with ratings and comments and blah, 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 you know? And they're always hysterical to read through. Well, well that's what it is. It's like the teenage... And you know how old everybody is. Like they, they, you know who, how old, what uh, gen- gender. Yeah. Um, you know everything about this person from the, what they filled out at the top of the card. And the, the teenage boys always said, what would make this movie better? The comment we get across the board is more tits. <laughs> yeah. That's sometimes more boobs. More boobs, yes, <laughs> for the more discerning teenage boy. But like, and look, I'm not knocking it because when you I was a like teenager, tits. I still like tits. Right. But that's not what the movie necessarily needs. <laughs> right. And like, but and that's like, what those guys want. I know. But then what happens is like, okay, so beer fest. Yeah. I'm not knocking the process. It was yeah. great. As as, I could have eyeballed that one. I yeah. knew that the problem was in the first the first act. Sure, but when you saw when the studio saw, a hundred and fifty cards that said more tits. Right. The first thing they said was, "Okay, we're going to reshoot the beginning, and we're getting some tits in there." Right. And they said, "Try to figure out how you can get more than one set of tits." <laughs> and what happens though? What happens though is because there, there's another thing, which is, they're also tracking how your movie's playing. For men and women. Yep. And, you know, under 21 and over 21. Yep. That's part of the data. Yep. Yeah. So those or are the four over quadrants. over 30. You know, you know, they do all kinds of different age groups. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so then they can tell. And that's how they're going to market it. They're like, okay, obviously guys like this movie. The Twilight yeah. movies. Obviously this is a chick flick. Yeah. That's who we're going to market the movie to. That's, that's other data, relevant data. But so, um, you know, unfortunately what it does then is now, and Beer Fest, I actually, to me is, I think... One of our best movies. Yeah. I, I prefer it I, over Super Troopers. Okay. I prefer it to Super Troopers. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. You heard it here. Well, to, to me, it's like from the moment, not that the first act is bad now, but it's like what happened is we wound up putting some tits in there. Yeah. And those tits, to me, immediately categorize your movie as a tit flick. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, but we it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, but I think We that, did it. I mean, they asked us to do it, and we did it. In the most tongue-in-cheek way that you could, I, I think the it, mouse trap of tit reveal. I'm, I'll give it to you, <laughs> except that I still think the second you get those tits on screen, immediately, like your Siskel and Eberts, sure, immediately put it I don't in give one a fuck about them though. In one because they've passed away. <laughs> well, because they're not relevant. no, because uh, you know, 
yeah, sure, reviewers but audiences, don't give a fuck. yeah, audiences, audiences yeah. may pay yeah. attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, if there is uh, somebody who is not into seeing tits in a movie who, who goes to see the movie, she may not recommend it, or he, to, or he may not recommend it to his friend, right? Um, and I like in some ways, I think that can cheapen your movie. I guess so, but it's to me, it's always the question of if I want the tits in the movie. Yeah, but you, you know don't. I mean? You've seen plenty of tits in your life, Kev. I have. You okay. don't necessarily. You didn't. You didn't really think that tits were going to make that. I mean, we, there are tits in the movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. But so anyway, but the point is, they're trusting your movie. Yeah, and they're taking suggestions from these cards and yeah, teenagers. No, that's the problem. Is that you know, as with any data, you can you can reinforce your argument by changing the data to fit your needs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, in a way, that's what happens in these things. So if there's an executive or an entity that, that you know, feels a certain way about something, they can go to the cards and be like, well, these amount of people said that the tits are good. Or this, you know, it's always like, change the title. You know, like there's yeah. always you get that. And that is that is ultimately, I think, the criticism of things like this, this filmmaking by committee, it's like, People can go in and use these numbers to reinforce shit that they think Be, is right. Because also, the other element is that... And I've been on the other side of it. Like, I yeah. I went to a test screening of Bound when I first moved to Los Angeles. Okay, you were a, a recruited audience member. We were walking by. Sure. I was stoned. Yeah, okay. And As usual. Per usual. And yeah. somebody said, hey, you want to come in? We were in uh, Third Street Promenade in Santa yeah. Monica. And somebody said, hey, free movie. It's... Uh, and by the way, they knew exactly what to say. They're like, it's called Bound. Yeah. It's a suspense thriller. It's about um, these two sexy lesbians. <laughs> and we're like, oh, fuck. All right. I'll see that shit. That's how they... <laughs> right. Even though it's a fantastic... They targeted like, you. Crime noir. Right. Thriller. It's a smart movie. Targeted me. And so then, They profiled you. Yeah. They, oh, they totally yeah. did. I was, one of, I was the dumb stone... Right. Kid, I was. And like, do you think the Wachowskis wanted you as that guy? Or I bet did they, they didn't. Yeah. I bet they didn't. Yeah. I bet they would have preferred a more discerning. Probably, audience. but you are a discerning audience. I am. Yeah. But so they got lucky. Yeah. But like, but I remember when it was like, why? Honestly, what was it that made you come in to see this? Right. I wrote hot girl on girl action. <laughs> and kind of as a joke, but kind of as a truth. But that's the problem. Is yeah. that like. People are joking on these things. You, yes. You don't know if they're taking it serious or not. Right. This is your fucking life. Right. This no, I your, know. This is your baby. No, I know. And it's like, they'll write more boobs and they'll spell boobs wrong. Yeah. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. And you're like... Or with a Z at the end. Like, am I supposed to believe that this is a, an in, intelligent yeah. uh, assessment of, the, of my hard work? Which actually becomes... It, it is one of my favorite things, is reading all of those cards. Yeah. And people may think that, like, oh, there's no, you're saying, you're, that's bullshit. You don't do that. But, like, we read all of them because they're hilarious. Yeah. Because you can say, yeah, it does say more tits here or more boobs spelled wrong. But then you're like, and now listen to this thing up here. <laughs> and listen to this thing. This is what right. this person wrote over here. But occasionally you will find a person with a well-thought-out point, And you're like, you know, that's a put good fucking point that guy made. Sure. Or that but woman like, made. Okay, here's another point yeah. where, it can, where it can be idiotic yeah. and negative. Like, another thing about Super Troopers Okay, so here's something that what happens is also they, not only do they ask the focus group this, but the card, so the focus group is 30 people. Yeah. The card is filled out by 300 people, everybody who came. Yeah. And on that card, it says, okay, super troopers. 
rate these characters. Yes. Farva, played by Kevin Heffernan. Right. Mac, played by Steve Lemmy. Right. Ramathorn, played by Jay Shander Sekar. And you have to say, poor, fair, right. good, very good, excellent. Yeah. Okay? And then a comment about them. Yep. So now the Farva character... Yes. Interestingly. Yeah. Tested the lowest. Lowest rated character it tested in that movie, yes. And maybe in our history of movies. Uh, yeah, I, I looked at the numbers. Because I, I have a file of all those of these things. It was... 38% uh, favorable. Yes. Farva. So here, <laughs> so here is a flaw. Yes. Because people are saying, that guy's a fucking dick. Yes. And we didn't like that guy. Yes, and they're not distinguishing from that, the character versus not like not they, like the character and the job that the actor does. They weren't appreciating how good Kevin Heffernan, <laughs> the likable Kevin Heffernan. Which, you know, I, again, that's fine, because the proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. And, and to me, though... I, I get that that's, that's bullshit, and you look through our things and see it, but f- to me, that's one of the most fun things internally in our group is when we get those character numbers back, and it's who oh. is the highest rated and who is lowest rated and who we can joke about. You oh, know? Ab- absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about it is like, it's almost like in fantasy football, the guy who scores the high man, the high points that week, of which... Yeah. I just did this past week. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's true. It's like the guy who is the high man. Now, my, by the way, we make a movie every four years. Right. So that guy has bragging rights for yes. as long as we can remember it. Yeah. And then like, but like the problem is that it's like, you know, studio movie, Club Dread. Yes. You get the test scores back. And then what happens is the studio does say, like, then, then the studio will give you notes based on this. There's an assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that the company does, our recommendations based on, on the data that we have compiled right. is that we should increase uh, – is there any way to increase the, the presence, presence of this character? Of this like character right. and this character and decrease the significance of this character. Right. That's where – That is true. But those are the fights that you have then because those are bullshit things. Like, like I said, pacing, confusion, I'm into that. Joke, does the joke work? I'm into that. It's that shit. Like, I don't give a fuck what you think about my character. Yeah, but there is somebody. There is somebody, you're right. With but power that does. Here's the funny thing, though. You know the highest rated character in Super Troopers is? Um, uh, I don't know. Mac. Oh, really? Yeah. He was the highest rated character. Oh, wait. So does that mean that uh, I'm actually, in retrospect, I'm the worst? No, it means you're the best. Ah. Do you know who the highest rated character in the Club Dread test screenings were across the board? I do. Who? Juan Castillo. That's correct. <laughs> so Lemmy Lemmy. Which I, which I appreciated because of um, the fact that I was going up against... I didn't care about you guys. But the <laughs> right. fact that I beat out Bill Paxton, Okay, I was pretty excited about. Okay. All right. But Paxton, Paxton tested well also. Anyway, I mean, you know, we don't... The thing is, you can't really be a dick about it. Right. Like, I'm cocky. Right. And I'm, and I'm a needler. And while in the group, it's fun to joke about that. But it's also like... You know, I mean, we're getting a, a little bit away from what we really want to talk about. But I want to. But can we finish this conversation though? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I want Super it. Troopers. Yeah, you were the highest rated. Club Dread. Yeah, highest rated. Okay. Beer Fest. Yes. Do you know who the highest rated was? I'm going to say Shandra Sekar. No, you'd be incorrect. Uh, I'm going to say you. That's correct. Landfill was okay, the highest. Okay, fi- hey, you got one. Finally, highest, I know. Finally got one. Okay. Slam and salmon. Uh, I gotta say, Michael Clark Duncan was the highest rated. Second, he was second. To you? No. To oh, to Shander Sekar. Shander Sekar. Yeah, yeah. So Shander Sekar won that one. What's his character's name? Shando? Zongo. Zongo. So Zongo won that, and then uh, yeah, 
So he was Slam Salmon. I was Beer Fest. You were Club Dread. You were Super Troopers. Okay. What about Puddle Cruiser? I don't. I don't. I know what the Puddle Cruisers are. I'm. Sh- I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What I'm they sure were. it was me. Um. Yeah. But I, I, that's what I love those about. By the way, just so everybody knows what we're dealing with here, what, what we go through to bring this, these podcasts to you, Heffernan's children are pressed up against the window outside. They've all just come from school, and now they are all eating popsicles, sticking their noses on my window it, to is, try to get into the room. And we've locked the room, so they can't get in. Is this what it feels like to be an animal in the zoo? It like is. They're it pressed is. up against it the is. window. It is. Um, so, anyway... All right, so here's the other thing that I don't like about the test screenings, and we've, fo- we've brought this up also. Um, the thing that I would do away with, Wait, which I we, hate the most. Can we, I want to put a pin in that. Can we just go back and talk about this hierarchy, like, the te- like who yeah, 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 finishes yeah. higher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than other, it's actually one of, it is one of our greatest little broken lizard inside things because, like, the, the kids. The kids now, they're yeah, banging, they're yeah, banging know, on the thing. I know, they want in. You also, the guy who finishes the lowest yes. is rattled. I guess so. I was certainly was not for super no. troopers. Well, there are some. Of I us was who, not rattled. Some of at us all. have thicker skin than others, and I would say you may have the <laughs> thickest skin in the group. Like you don't give a fuck, right? And you knew you did a great job. But far, I mean, Farber's a great character. There's no way that I'm going to get upset about that. And going back to the original point, yes. it exposed the absurdity, right, of that, right, in that particular example. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. But I, that's what I mean. You know, I, that's why I think it's it's funny. But you're right. That's the problem. You put these numbers on it, and certainly. Once you move people outside of the group, then it becomes probably a little more uncomfortable. You sure. know, it's like, you know, Mike Clark Duncan or Cloris Leachman. Like, not these guys. These guys all tested very well. But if you have someone who's an outsider and then tests, tests poorly, it's, it kind of blows. Sure. Kind of and blows. Then, and then I don't know. That's if why this, you hide that number from those people. Oh, yeah. No, you do. And you, you do. You don't let them know that. You shit. hide that. Yeah. And this is kind of, maybe this is what you were going to talk about. But, like, within the focus group. Yeah. They, the the moderator also does verbally go down the list and ask the focus group yes. about each character, and you're sitting in the room. Yeah. And those people don't know. <laughs> they don't know you're there. You're, ba- you're in the back. Right. You don't have to be sitting in the room, but sometimes no, but, we don't let people sit in the room. No, but we want to be sitting but that's, in the room. But that's, that's my other thing that I, that I would do away with in these test screenings is the focus group. To me, the focus group, just because the way it's done uh, uh, and what it achieves, it's not super important to me. You know what I mean? Like I, when we're doing a friends and family, and you have friends and family, and you're you're asking people yeah. whose opinion you know and whatever, then that's fine. But these focus groups, basically, like you said, what they do is you f- they randomly select thirty people from the two hundred, three hundred people that are watched the movie, yeah, and then they keep them behind and they have a more detailed conversation with those people, yeah, and uh, and and those are the times where you could have. The whole stu- the whole room loved it, and if there's one person who's harping on that shit, the executives are sitting there, and you inevitably they will bring that up in the next creative meeting. I don't like the title. I didn't this da da da. Yeah, and it's one of our most famous favorite stories. Well, that's the thing is that about the, test screenings is that is that was the focus group. Te- Can I tell that story? Group, yeah, yeah. I want you to tell that yeah, story. Yeah. The focus group. Well, I'm uh, I don't want to give anything away. Right. So go ahead. Okay, so. Uh, uh, Puddle Cruiser was a long uh, a road to hoe. It took a while to, you know, we had multiple sales that fell through and came back and whatever. So after Puddle Cruiser, uh, the last company we were with, we fell through, and uh, we sold uh, Super Troopers as a as a, as an idea to Miramax. And this is in the heyday of uh, Harvey Weinstein, Harvey and Bob Weinstein. And so um, we sold the script to them, and uh, we started writing Super Troopers and. 
in the meantime, we're trying to sell them Puddle Cruiser. We're like, you know, it was a great movie. There were multiple problems that happened, like a company went bankrupt and whatever, but we would love to make a package deal where you release Puddle Cruiser into the theaters, and then we'll make Super Troopers together. And so they kind of went back and forth, and finally we got them to agree. said, I'll tell you what, let's do one of these test screenings, okay? One of these companies will do one of these test screenings. You guys pay for the test screening. If it performs, the movie's yours. And we'll go on and we'll make Super Troopers. It'll be great. If it doesn't perform, we get it. And so they said, great, let's do it. And so we ended up doing the test screening, and we had it in New York City, which is unusual. Because what they usually do with test screenings is they like to take them out of kind of film-centric areas. Hmm. They'll put it in the suburbs or they'll put it whatever, you know, somewhere else so that you don't have people who are entirely movie industry savvy. Yeah. You just get a nice cross-section of America, and they tell you what they think of your movie. So you try to do that. But given the circumstances and the time of it, we had it in New York City, and we had it on 3rd and 11th. That th- there's that, that Lowe's on 3rd and 11th. Yeah. I remember it well. And so um, uh, so the big deal was we were going to do this big Miramax screen, and they recruit the audience, and um, we're you know trying to get Harvey Weinstein to come. And what happens is what they said is, Harvey said, I'm not going to come to sit through this movie. What happens is, he said, if it tests... Well, if the audience is loving it, give me a call, and I'll zip over there for the focus group and hear what they have to say. It'll be great. And so we did the test screening, and there were all kinds of circumstances. Like, they, Actually, Miramax was shipping the print for us from somewhere, and they lost it. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, fuck it. We'll just strike a new print. You know? yeah. And to us, we're like, oh, yeah. Because for us, you know, as an independent filmmaker, you have one print. It costs like four or five grand to make it. That's yeah. all you got to make it. And you're taking that print all over the place. You're taking a Sundance and it gets beat up and it looks like shit. It's scratched. It's scratched it broke. up. Yeah. It broke yep. at, uh, on the college tour. And, and so here's Miramax. They're like, we'll take care of it. We'll buy a fresh, brand new print. And they did. And they bought a brand new print. And I remember we... We test watched it before the thing, and yeah. it looked beautiful. It was crisp. And we were like, oh, this is going to be great. So they get the audience in there, and the place is packed. And you can see how stoned a lot of those kids are. Yeah, it's like a lot of NYU kids probably and whatever. And so um, we test the thing, and the thing go, the place goes crazy. Mm-hmm. They loved it. The crowd was laughing their asses off. You could see the Miramax executives like texting each other and whatever, emailing each other, and they're like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. And uh, the screening finishes, and they're like, get Harvey on the phone. Get Harvey on the phone. Get him down here. Yeah. Because they're so excited about how the screening went. And we're excited. We're all standing there. We're excited. And uh, we're all there. Well, because it was, uh, as, you, yeah. as you were saying, it was Harvey was only going to come down if he got a positive report. Yeah. And then we found out Harvey's on his way down. He's on his way down. And, and we so it. We, uh, it was kind of a situation where we didn't want to have everyone there. Yeah. And so uh, uh, I stayed with Jay and I think Rich Perello. Yeah. For the focus group and the rest, everyone else, which yeah. we had a pretty good sized team. A lot of people worked on the movie and everyone in the movie yeah. went next door to a bar because yeah. we're down there right at the NYU. Door. Right next door. Some bar. I can't, I can't remember the name. You remember that? I don't remember the name. I can't remember. But I remember like uh, we were drinking our asses off. Right. And, Psyched. And we were euphoric. Yeah. Because we all knew how that test screening went. Couldn't have been better. And so um, Harvey gets in there and... Uh, now, these are, it turns out they keep the focus group, and it's probably like 20 kids. And there's, you know, the NYU students or some people there. And p- now people are looking behind them. They see who's in the room. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein, larger-than-life character. There he is. He's in the, sitting in the room there. Yeah. And they know this. And so now they start the focus group. And despite what happened in that room, 
during the screening, those 20 kids proceeded to rip that movie apart. Yeah. They ripped it to fucking shreds. And I would say... Not in a malicious way. I would say it was probably just... Maybe. Some of it was self-serving. It was like, you know, they know who's in the room, and they're like, I want to make the smartest, most film-savvy comment I can. Yeah. That uh, kind of shit. What I mean, I, I don't a think... couple berets, maybe, in that room. Oh, you know? probably some six-foot scarves <laughs> in that room, Kev. Isn't that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, I don't the know. The artsy, artsy. But, like, yeah. look, that audience loved it. Yeah. And it was a situation where, I mean, look... If you if if uh, Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. Right. If you ask me to sit down and like and criticize it, right. Not the negative connotation of the word criticize, but be critical. I you know potentially could find. I, I think it's a perfect movie, but I could potentially sure. say like, well, okay, I would change this. And well, that's a problem when they ask you. Essentially, what they're asking is, what's wrong with this movie? Yes. And no matter how they phrase it, no matter how passive aggressive they make it, that's what they're asking. Yes. And if you ask someone that, they'll tell you that. Yes. And that's why these focus groups are ridiculous because you – I'll find something wrong with any movie, like you said, like yeah. Jaws, you know? And, and that's what you ask people to do. And that's what they ask to do. And those people in front of Harvey Weinstein ripped the shit out of it. And so while you guys are sitting next to our celebrating, oblivious, like our jaws are dropping. And like you can see Harvey Weinstein. And they dismissed the focus group. And Harvey walked up to us and was like, ah, well, guys, that's too bad. We'll get him on the next one. Yeah. And he just dismissed Paul Cruiser outright and left. Yeah. And so from my perspective, yeah. we're celebrating next door. We're so happy. Yep. The screening's gone fantastically. You guys come walking in, and you had long faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we were like, how'd it go? Like, super psyched. And, and Perello was like, not good. And we're like, yeah, but seriously, like, quit fucking with us. Come we were on. in the screening room. How'd it go? And it's like, not good. And it's like, there's that moment of realization setting in where it's apparent that you're not fucking around with right, us. Right. You actually mean it. Right. But secretly, you're hoping that you guys are going to be like, we're just fucking around. But no, that never came. That would be the cruelest thing yeah. to be doing to you guys. And in retrospect, cruel. they all, all the executives who consoled us yeah. admitted that it was actually the wonkiest way. They had never seen... Because in, in trying to protect their own jobs, they would never call Harvey Weinstein no. down to that screening room unless no. things went well. But it was you also kidding me? They'd be fearing for their lives if they did that. Exactly. But they also said that's never the way you ever they ever acquire a film yeah. is from a focus group or a test screening. That's what was so unorthodox about yeah. it. It was just we didn't realize how fucked we were yeah. going into it. But And it was it turned on a dime it, within a half an hour we thought we had Hit the big time, and then half an hour later, we were distraught. We still got fucking wasted in that bar, though. Of course. We got drunk as shit in we that did. bar. We did. And, like, and, and it turned from like... <laughs> and then we laughed about it. Euphoric drunk to like salty, salty <laughs> drunk. We got a new print out of it. Yeah. I, I also think it's funny, like... Um, I remember there was a test screening of Puddle Cruiser where, like, you know, you have some of the actors come. This is like the friends and family screening, but, yeah, like, yeah. some of the actors came and some of their family members came, mm-hmm. and the, t- the note you would get was like um you know that movie was really funny it was really good i think it would be better if the character of arnold actually showed up earlier in the movie and (laughs) appeared more frequently and you're like okay this isn't totally but that's why you make a point of not inviting actors to it yeah like you made a fuck you make a point of not because you don't want them to see the unfinished product and you want them uh, to feel like they need to fight for this or that. You know, it's like, uh, I remember we did it Slam and Salmon 
and we did a test screening, like a friends and family screening, because we did it independently. We didn't hire one of those companies. Um, and we got to the screening, and there were like one or two of the actors were there, uninvited. Yeah. And you're like, oh, she, and they're like, oh, yeah, I heard you guys having a screening or something, or what's going, you know, like they thought that they were not, it wasn't, it was intentionally they weren't invited because you don't want them in that process. Yeah. Uh, because it's not a, it's a biased opinion. It's a biased uh, viewing of the movie. And, uh, which, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable. You specifically try not to have them. Sure. Come, you know? Um, but, but they, but they make it in. They there. make it in. But, you know, whatever. I mean, that, you know, that Harvey Weinstein thing, that's, that's the, the bad side. I mean, we, we had good sides, you know, like Super Troopers was good because we talked about it earlier, but Fox acquired it and then, uh, they tested it and it got pretty good test numbers. Yeah. Um, and then you figured out what, kind of was right and wrong and they actually said you know uh, I mean you know we were young and novices and they said we want to bring this editor in to help you guys mm-hmm. fix the movie and we're like fuck you yeah fucking bring an editor in Da-da-da-da-da. and they're like well this guy uh, you, I think you probably like his name is George Folsey Jr. And what we found out was George Folsey Jr. was John Landis's editor. So he cut Animal House. Yeah. Right? And he cut The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. And he cut Coming to America. Yeah. And he edited all those movies. And uh, it was a situation where he couldn't have been a more wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't have had more wonderful stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like he told us a great test screening story about Animal House. Yeah. Where they had finished a cut for Animal House and they test screened it and they decided to get it out of LA to do a test screening like we talked about earlier yeah. they went to Colorado and they tested it maybe at a college or something like that there and uh, they're in the test screening and it feels like there's not a reaction for anything and uh, it feels like the test screening doesn't go that well and they walk out onto the quad like while the movie's still playing and apparently Belushi was fucking pissed yeah like, Belushi grabbed Folsey, uh, maybe even shoved him, and was like, you ruined this movie, and da 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 And Belushi got right in Folsey's face. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the, the screening ended, and the cards came back, and the numbers came back, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, the, re- the results were phenomenal. Yeah. And then Belushi apologized to Folsey. You <laughs> can't do a smile, Kev. You no, can't you can't. You can't smile. You can't. And, I mean, that's, you know, one of the greatest comedy movies of all time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was a joy. Like this guy came in, and it was a joy. We cut about eight minutes out of the movie. We reshot the ending, mm-hmm. like we talked about, and then we tested it again, and it tested higher. Yeah, and the Fox people were psyched. Yeah, they were pumped about it. Well, because it was the right process. And the amazing thing is, the, the the thing I find interesting about the numbers is also that like a lot of time, like your very first test screening is still a rough cut to the extent that like you don't have the music done. Yep. The sound, the sound effects, the special effects, yeah. n- nothing is done. I mean, we've we've watched some of those cuts where it's like, all of a sudden, like it's jarring, a blank, a, like, like a title is supposed to appear, and it's literally it's a, a black screen with yeah. like the words like the scene to be inserted later. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's, no matter how you prepare to the audience for that, it's still jarring. Yeah, it still takes you out of the movie. And you and we know empirically that like, you can take a cut of a movie that doesn't have the music put in. Yeah. Like, for instance, let's take Jaws. Yeah. Jaws without the theme song, do 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 would not be as scary. Right. So now imagine a test screening of Jaws where you don't have that music yet. Sure. And there's some test track on it. It's like, dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. <laughs> Your test or nothing. is not going to be as good. <laughs> right. 
And then what happens? Absolutely. You so literally find product. out. Yeah, it's not even just the scenes that, you, that you're putting in, but it's like as you start to get the sound effects going, as you start to put the scoring in and the music and, and getting all that stuff. Yeah. Those things add to the num- to the test scores final number. Yeah. Which is a nice. That's why it's nice if you if you start with like a seventy seventy five, you know you can sure. get at least ten or fifteen more sure. points. Absolutely. On there. Yeah. But but there is you know it's like we talked about like beer fest like th- there is. Going into it, everybody's nervous. The studio's yep. nervous. The filmmakers are nervous. Everybody's nervous. Yep. And then you have the focus group, and you know, and people have been talked about, and mm-hmm. things have been milled about. And then the focus group is excused, and then the studio and the filmmakers are also excused. Yep. While they go in there and they count up the very goods and excellence. Sure. Yeah. What do they call the favorables? Favorables. Yeah. And then they come out and they give you the number, but it's like it. It really is like. Um, like the old days with the dads pacing around the delivery <laughs> right. room waiting for the baby to come out. And they right. come out, it's a girl. Right. And you're like, yeah, yeah it's a or girl. Or it's like, you know, like the, the gymnastics or the diving thing where you're waiting for them to flip those numbers over. Sure, yes. <laughs> it's a 10. Yes. You know, whatever it is. It's yeah. that moment of yeah. you're getting, which is total fucking bullshit because we've asked these people, we've asked professionals, there is no correlation to uh, these numbers to the success of the film in the box office. Yeah. There is no correlation. There's no scientific correlation to it. And, you know, they pop this number out and, uh, you know, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean a whole lot, but there's so much weight placed on it. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. But then, like, you know, I remember with Beer Fest, but there's so much weight placed on it that, yeah. like... When it's good, it's great. When it's good, it's great. <laughs> so they come out and they're, like, 84, and yeah. everyone tries to play it cool, but it's, yeah. like, the weight is lifting off your shoulders. Sure. You hug them, you shake their hands, like those people. I mean, yep. it, it gets downright ridiculous. You and I actually sold <laughs> yeah. a movie idea to the exe- to the studio, to Warner Brothers, yeah. in, in the wake of moment. it. At that moment, we yeah. said, hey, let's do this mo- this other movie that we talked about. Let's do it. And yeah. the guy was like, let's fucking do it. <laughs> Boom. And the That's next the day, euphoria. we, had, we yeah. made money you yeah. know, on that thing. So yeah, yeah, like, you know. The flip side is the Club Dread of it. Like, Club Dread, we had multiple test screenings for a number of reasons. I mean... Number one is that, you know, is that it's a, you know, it was more of an intricate movie in the sense of you had to have this killer plot and this mystery plot. You had to make sure that was all understandable. And it had this mixture of horror and comedy. And, you know, we had come off Super Troopers, which is a pure, pure comedy, and we developed this movie with Club Dread. And I think it wasn't necessarily in their wheelhouse. It was Fox Searchlight, which is kind of the art house division of Fox. And they had never really developed from scratch a mm-hmm. comedy like we were making. Yeah. And so I think it was a very, uh, it was a hard process to go through. And uh, so we did multiple test screens from Club Dread. And it had multiple different effects, you know. And uh, like I remember the first test screening was hysterical because, uh, like I said before, we tested it out in the suburbs. Like somewhere in Orange County. Yeah. And so um, everyone has to drive from Fox, which is, you know, in L.A., down into the suburbs. And the screen's usually like 7 o'clock, so it's a rush hour. Anyone who's driven to L.A. knows the, hor- the horrible nature of it. Yeah. So what Fox did is they got, a, like, one of those party buses. <laughs> yeah. They got a little party bus. And they said, hey, come drive to the studio, drop your car off, and we'll all go down together in the bus. Great idea. This is awesome. Yeah. So I got onto that bus and uh, we thought we had a hit on our hands. Yeah. And I got on that bus and I drove down and you know we're laughing, having a great time. We're excited for the screening. 
we're in the fucking carpool lane, zipping down in our little bus, and mm-hmm. you know it's the head of the studio and the head of marketing and the head of distribution and me and whatever. I don't. I think Chad and Sagar drove down separately. Yeah, and uh, and so we got down there and we do the the screening, and it didn't go well. It yeah. didn't go well. You know, we got the number back. It was in like in the forties or something. It was something really. Yeah. And so then the flip side is I had to ride back on that bus. Yeah. With all those executives. Me and those executives driving all the way it's back. Like a funeral procession. For an hour from Orange County. Yeah. After we got smacked in the face. Of the yeah. <laughs> that movie. It's a bummer. <laughs> Which is a bummer. We didn't have that euphoria. Yeah. You know. And it went up and down on that movie. It was like. We probably had like the most uh, test screens of any movie before five, and it got contentious at times because we had ways that we thought we could fix things, and they had ways they thought we could fix them, and sometimes they're at odds. And then at one point, at one point, they just fired us off the movie. Yeah, uh, for the second time, they literally. Well, yeah, on the, on the set, they fired us off the movie. Yeah, and then we strung our way back in, and then they fired us off. They fired us off the out of the editing room. They kicked us out. Yeah, and they turned the movie over to some random editor. Yes, and uh, who, who we felt was the opposite of us. Yeah, well, it was a it was an older woman who a didn't middle, have a comedy resume, a middle aged woman with no comedy. Yeah, and so we were like, well, "That's it, you know." And we fought, but what could we do? This is the, you're in the studio system, man. Their movie, they can kick you right the fuck out, and they did. Yeah, and it came down to the test screening, what it came down to, and so they she did a cut, her own cut of the movie. And then it was like a we're going to test screen it, and if hers is better than yours, you're fucked. Yeah, and you're like, holy shit! Now, now talk about sitting in test screening there. Yeah, like I'm sitting in that test screening. I just spent four months editing this movie with Jay and and Ryan Folsey, the editor, and we're watching this thing, and now we see a new cut of a new person. Yeah, and it sucked, and it was wonderful. <laughs> no, it like it had shit. And jokes were taken out, and things were missing, and whatever it Tits was, were missing. Yeah. Less tits. And we're like, holy fuck, man. This is, this is how it goes bad, you know? And the luck, of the luck of it was that, I guess not luck, but the test numbers were significantly worse than what ours had been. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then we did another screening of a new cut of ours, and it got higher, even higher numbers. Yeah. Not great numbers for Fox, but higher numbers. And so they, their hands were tied with their own system. Yeah, they literally could not say they're going to stick with their editor because the test numbers were so bad. Yeah, you know, so it actually worked out right for us because of the test screening. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny because I was thinking like they do test screenings for this stuff across the board. Like I made that I made a kids movie, I Heart Shaky. Yeah, and so the test screening, like the focus group, it was ten year old girls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, or like you know like seven to ten year old that was their sweet spot right so like they're at like a Saturday afternoon matinee you know of like a Monsters Inc passing out those things like you want to come see a free movie right. kids are like sure yeah and the uh, and the test card instead of more tits it was more dogs that was, <laughs> they wanted more dogs they wanted more dogs that would right it's like how would you make this movie better more dogs right but I, I think that's the beauty of it we talked to Mike Mitchell about it when he was on they, yeah. when they would test like Shrek and stuff like that about how those kids test audiences are just different because there is no pretense. They're not trying to impress anybody. They're not trying to make a joke on the card. Mm-hmm. This is what they really believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And some of them have insightful things to say, but there's none of that layer of bullshit. Yeah. Which makes it an interesting test audience. But also, like, I th- I think another thing that I found interesting about that, 
was, you know, in terms of what you're saying, too, he said that, you know, also then when kids throw out ideas, it's so unfiltered that they're actually the best ideas in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's like, let's have this thing fly over here and we'll go to the moon and then the jelly uh, lollipop creature will come back here. And they're like, all right, we're going to reshoot. Why don't we reshoot that thing? Yeah. The kid loves it. They, yeah. Let's do it. And so, like, you know, that's a See, that's a demographic that I would like to have in our movies. I think so, but again, you're back in the situation to me where I think it's like, as long as you can temper the information you're getting, like, obviously you're not going to do everything like a, you know, eight-year-old girl tells you to do, you know what I mean, as a filmmaker. I will. <laughs> but you can tell there are certain times where maybe you do need to fix something, you know what I mean? If sure. you're smart and you can read the data properly, then you can make your movie better. And if you're not smart, you can make your movie worse. Well, there's no such thing as a bad note. Yeah. It's just a matter of how hard a note is being rammed up your ass. <laughs> I guess so. Because well, there could be a bad note. You just don't have to listen to it. Well, that's exactly what yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're happy. You, you know you have to sift through you know, 70 bad ideas to hear 10 good ones. Yeah. And we've had focus groups on all our movies where somebody makes a point and you all look at each other and you're like, that's a good point. That's a pretty good point. That's a good point. That's a smart guy. Yeah. What was the, uh, you were talking about the open water uh, test screening process because you, you were extra in that movie you're, at the time your girlfriend at the time was a star of that movie yeah and then I was you know I, was, I became friends with the director and so I would I would go and, and open water is that shark movie it's the shark movie where the couples and you know the water and the sharks start coming right yeah and um, and what was happening was you know it was basically billed even to the test audiences as a shark movie right like as a they were going to horror movie audiences. Okay. And that's what the and that's who were they were recruiting. Like Sharknado? They were going for like the Sharknados <laughs> of the world. Yeah. Before Sharknado. But came yes. Out. They'd go and so they might have gone to like the Deep Blue Sea people or like, you know, Amityville Horror remake is out now or right. you know and like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, let's go get the, the it wasn't I mean that was an independent film that was made for like twenty thousand dollars. Sure. Or like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. I, right. I don't even remember. And so like but people would come to that expecting like a popcorn flick. And they were getting destroyed in the test screenings because what happened was people were like, that ending fucking sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, because it wasn't what they wanted to happen, right? Right. What they expected, there were two things that they were having a problem with. One was not enough sharks, even though there are a ton of sharks. Right. They wanted some CGI shit. Right. They want, they want big motherfucking sharks. Yeah, they want some fucking great white sharks. <laughs> right. And then the other thing that was happening... They wanted Bruce the yeah, shark. They wanted Bruce the mechanical shark. Right. The other thing that was happening was that Nobody lives at the end of that movie. Yeah. And there's a... Spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. There's... The girl is is the survivor. Right. And you're waiting to see how... If she's going to get picked up by the rescue boat that's coming. Right. And instead she just makes the a choice to drown herself. Sure. Yes. And people were fucking bullshit about sure. it. Sure. And ripping it apart in the focus group. And the studio that bought the movie, Lionsgate... Yeah. Was saying... They were concerned. Let's reshoot this movie. Yeah. This is a big deal. This is something. Right. That, and, and that's the example of when things can go wrong. As a filmmaker, this is what I wanted to say. Yeah. I didn't want to play to the test group where they wanted a happy ending. Yeah. And that was the so case. So there was a fight? That was the case that the filmmaker made. And it was, to Lionsgate's credit, they went for it. They weren't contentious. It was yeah. more concerned, like, wow, this, this is a big thing. And, something to think about. And ultimately, I mean, you, look, you know the way the studio system works. They just marketed it as a horror movie and they got the people in there and a lot of people loved the ending of the movie. Yeah. You know, thought, hey, that's interesting. It's not... It's not what I thought would happen. 
it's it's the unexpected, right? Which and, is a, is an anti test group element, absolutely. Because the the general, you know, I think the general average, you know, audience member wants the happy ending. Yeah, and so I mean, I know I like a happy ending, yeah, but me like, too. but like, I wish he lived at the end of uh, Open Water. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, there were times where I was like... I thought you made a bad choice. I thought you made a bad choice. She should have... Who drowns themselves? Yeah, I mean, come on. What the fuck? drowns themselves? Just go until you at least get eaten. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, but that... And, and it's like... But that's... So Lionsgate backed off. Lionsgate backed off, and I think the argument that the filmmaker made was like, look, they're saying that because what they... it's They just want a happy ending. Right. But this is the ending... This is literally an, expe- an ending that nobody's expecting. Yeah. And that's what makes it a great ending. Yeah. Is because it's so original... And right. you should keep it for that reason. Right. That's something that ultimately will live on. And, and Lionsgate, to their credit, went for it. Yeah. And they kept it. Yeah. Um, but there were, I remember, you know, we would, I mean, this is sort of after the fact, but then we would go to like some, uh, like festival screenings and we, you know, on opening day we went to some actual right. screenings in the theaters and like, and you would hear a lot of people walking out griping about it. Fucking pissed, right? Yeah. We'd be like, that ending was fucking bullshit. Right. So, you know. It little is, controversies can be a good thing though. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's what I'm talking about in terms of these test screens, though. It's like you know, if you have a message or something that you're trying to get across, you don't need to change that for the test audience. You know what I mean? No. As a as a comedy filmmaker, you want to make sure your your movie's not fucking boring. That's something you don't you don't want, and you yeah. want to make sure your movie has good laughs in it. And that's well, why the test screenings can be so helpful to me, provided you fucking fight off all the other bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I found the um, the Club Dread test screenings to be very valuable because. Like for instance, our opening scene. Yeah, we were juggling meeting our characters. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse, well, first we had the cold a open. A kill. First we had the cold open, which is tits. A kill. We had some tits, <laughs> but that but that was what we were doing. We were we were trying to spoof. Yes. It wasn't a spoof. We were sending up. The, Would you say paying homage? We were paying homage to the classic right teen slasher horror movie. Yeah, slasher movie. Your cold open, which has a kill and probably some horny teenagers. Right. Getting it on. <laughs> right. And so we were doing that tongue in cheek. Yeah. But there was, because we're a comedy group, there's a ton of comedy beats. You know, there's the monkey in the forest, <laughs> and then there's the stupid conversation, and they wind up in a cemetery and decide that's where they're going to fuck. Right. Right. Along, so along the way, there's just a ton of jokes. Yeah. And going back to the stand up comedy of it, you'd hear the good ones and you'd hear the bad ones. Yeah. And at the end of it, you literally, it's just mercenary. You yeah. just cut out the bad ones. Right. And put the good ones together, and all of a sudden you've got like a one-minute scene that's got eight great laughs in a row, yep. as opposed to a four-minute scene that yep. has eight great laughs, laughs separated <laughs> by four minutes. Now you do the math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was valuable. One, you know, one thing I just remembered, which I I've always found fascinating. Yeah. Is the TV test screening process? Oh, okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. Because we actually haven't been through this. Sure. The knob thing or the knob thing. Yeah. 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 So like this is so this I'm is just, something I'm not as familiar with. But yeah. No. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna relate a story to the chewing it. The people do it. Yeah. The, the audience yeah, are chewing yeah, yeah. it. No. I. I uh, that to me is even a, even a more. It's more of the visceral. Like literally, people sit there with a knob. Yeah. And they react as the thing's going on. Yeah. They don't do that in the movie ones. You have to recall and you have to jog your memory and, oh, this stuck with me. To clarify, to clarify what, what Kevin is talking about is there's a knob. They're watching the TV, the pilot episode on a screen, and there's basically like a pleasure knob. Yeah. And their hand is on it at all times. And when they're enjoying themselves, they turn the knob to the right, depending on how much they're enjoying themselves. So it's a really big laugh. They crank it to the right. If they're just enjoying it, they have it halfway to the right. 
And if they don't like something, they turn it to the left. If yeah. they don't like a character, they turn it to the left. Mm-hmm. And literally, there's like a wavelength. It's like an EKG machine or something like that, where like the the network and the studio can look at the TV program and see where people are liking it and where they're not liking it. And oftentimes, actors get fired out of the pilots. <laughs> for yeah, that. yeah. Um, and that's how their decisions are made. I've never, I still haven't seen this thing, but I've heard yeah. tale of this pleasure knob. Yeah, no, we haven't been, we haven't done that. But that sounds. I mean, there's something so there's something uncomfortable about it to me. Yeah, so delightfully icky about the pleasure knob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, fuck the pleasure knob. Fuck the pleasure. Literally, knob. fuck the pleasure knob. Yeah, your 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 kids are back. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of other fun moments. I remember like a fun moment I had on uh, on beer fest. Yeah, which I always loved was every time we had a test screening. And uh, well, how many we had two test two screenings. for beer fest. Yeah. yeah. One well, with pre, pre reshoot and post reshoot and post reshoot yeah. um, was the strikeout scene. Yeah, because that was a situation where like it, it's not a laugh moment, but you could hear the audience building as the strikeout continued, like the bong hit, then the the shot, and then the chug of beer, and people like the the energy is building the audience, and right. the smoke gets blown out, and then people would applaud. Right. And that was a moment when, like, I remember, like, the executives all looked at each other because it was, just, it, was <laughs> it was a different type of thing. It wasn't a laugh. Sure. It was a moment that sort of, like, got the audience fired up. And the one that maybe that those executives couldn't appreciate or understand until they actually saw it in front yeah. of the crowd that appreciated it. Because actually, and I remember this, that was a situation where uh, the president of the studio, Jeff Robinov, yeah. asked to see um, a copy of the film, like, on a DVD. Yeah. Before any test screening. Yeah. And he... Saw it and then said, I think this is going to be the first one in our new straight-to-video division. <laughs> right. Which they had just started. <laughs> right. And it was the test screening that saved our asses. Yeah. Because he got to sit with the audience, listen to them laugh, yep. listen to the reaction. And then the second test screening, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that was even better. That was the one that was like, we did the reshoot, we did some recuts, and it tested the best of maybe any movie we've ever tested. Yeah. And they were fucking pumped. And it was and, like, let's go. Let's put it out. And now I can't remember. Maybe you remember. Like, um, after the first test screening. Yeah. And I can't remember if it happened between the two or after the second test screening. I think it happened between the two where we had the soundtrack meeting. Yeah. And we went in with the executives and literally went down our list of songs. Yeah. And then and the music person would be in there and they're like, okay, um, uh, have a drink on me. That's two hundred fifty thousand dollars song. Right. And the president's like, "Yeah, we're definitely using that one." And then <laughs> right. you come to another song for that scene. He's like, "Ah, oh, we don't need that one." Yeah, yeah. That was between the test screenings. Yeah. Yeah. So then the second we, test screening we, we had ACDC. Yeah, because that was in like the second test screening with ACDC, and we had Poison. Yeah, every rose has its thorn, and uh, which, as you know, gets you a few more points. But yeah, you know, so just to just to hammer the point home, that first test screening. They're not even seeing it with ACDC or yeah, Poison. I know. That's a bummer. They, they, they eventually. Yeah. They eventually saw it. Yeah. Um, all right. We're good, man. All right. Well, anyway, that was fun. Hopefully, we will have more test screenings to tell you about in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I like them. I mean, I, I uh, actually, I think one of the executives, after the first one, I, I realized the way I like to do it. It's harder now when people have seen your movies, but to sit right in the middle of the test screening. Yeah. Is what I like to do, certainly for a long time. Like you just sit, get a seat right in the middle, and then you can hear the people behind you and the pe- see the people in front of you. Yeah, and I always thought that was the best way to go. Now it's it's harder to do that, you know. Yeah, because people 
the way they recruit audiences now is, like, hey, have you seen Super Troopers? The guys have a new movie. And so usually your crowd is going to be people who have seen your movie already, so it's harder to be anonymous. Yeah. And you want to be anonymous because you don't want to influence yeah. anyone's laughter. Well, that's why I think I think the next time we go, we should wear like, the, you know, we talk about like those hats that have the wigs underneath them. Yeah. You know, Groucho Marx uh, glasses. Yeah, maybe Slash. I like the Slash idea. Yeah. Like that top hat with the hair attached to the top hat. Yeah, and I want to be David Crosby with uh, the Newsies hat with a ponytail coming out of the back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like that. Those will be our looks. Um, All right. Well, that's the test screening thing. We hope uh, we gave you guys some insight into how they make movies. Yeah, and you know what? You can tweet in uh, if you thought this episode was poor, uh, fair, uh, good, very good, or excellent. (laughs) And we'll test the favorables that way. We're hoping to have some good numbers on this We'll see how it goes. Keep uh, chewing it alive. Yeah. Um, All right. In the meantime, I'm going to eat some movie popcorn on the way out. Do it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Twizzlers? uh, I'm... uh, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'm not going to mix Twizzlers with my popcorn, but I'll throw some M&Ms with my popcorn. I like that mix. Okay. That's a good mix. That's a good mix. Uh, before we chew, uh, don't forget, October, Boston and D.C. Mm-hmm. Go to the website, HeffernanLemmy.com. Yeah. We're coming to you, Boston and D.C. And follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve Lemmy. Kevin is at Heffernan Rules. All right. Let's chew it, bro. Popcorn and M&Ms? What are you eating? Popcorn and M&Ms? Are you, have, are you reaching into my fucking yeah, statue? Yeah. Oh, Get man. your dick out of that popcorn, man. Uh, can, no can do, buddy. Get that dick out of the bottom of the popcorn, feel bro. Feel good. Because I'm going to reach in there. Mm. Mm. I like that your kids are outside the window <laughs> hearing you talk about my dick and the popcorn. Well, they can't hear, but... Uh, but they can see. They're wondering what these animals in the zoo are talking about. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Talk to you next week. Have a nice Wednesday. Now leaving Nerdist.com. What? <laughs>